You're listening to a sermon from Mission City Fellowship of San Antonio, Texas. Mission City Fellowship exists to make and mature disciples of Jesus Christ who live all of life for the glory of God and proclaim Christ for the joy of all people. What an honor to be with you proclaiming God's word. And um, the text this morning that we're going to be looking at is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. And we'll be sticking pretty close to Hebrews. We'll be jumping around a little bit in Hebrews, some other places, but pretty much we'll be sticking with the text and context before and a little bit after Hebrews chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles or Bible apps, I have to say Bible apps, or I don't have to say that in Africa because no one has it there. (laughs) Um, But let's pray first and ask God's blessing on his word. Heavenly Father, we do come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much for your love that you have lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have saved us. You have set us free. You have redeemed us. You have reconciled us. You have given us your spirit. And Lord, we come this morning asking humbly and boldly at the same time that you would, by your spirit, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you would have for us. I pray that you would help me proclaim your word um, properly and rightly, Lord. And I pray that if there's things that I say that are not in accord with your word or your spirit, that you would blow those things away like the dust in the wind. So, Lord, we come to you this morning seeking you to speak to us and guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's begin by reading the text, chapter 11 of Hebrews, starting from verse 13. I'm reading from the ESV uh, version. These... All died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so, that is our text, God's word for us this morning, brothers and sisters. The sermon title comes right from the text, Seeking a Better Country. And so I pray that God would open his word to us as we have prayed. And what I would like to do, and it's so important, and I know that's how your pastors bring the word of God to you, is look at the passage in the context, because that's always so important when we're studying the scriptures. Uh, What is the context of the book that we're reading from? What is the immediate context as well? And so... First, we, we, we should examine and look at the whole book of Hebrews. And the theme there in the book of Hebrews, it's a series of exhortations to the original audience 
not to fall into unbelief in the face of intense persecution. I, I'm thinking of my, when I, I can't help but think of my Sudanese brothers and sisters who are right now in the midst of intense persecution. But we face that here as well in, in many different ways. So, so to set the stage, let us look at one of those exhortations. So there's a series of exhortations in Hebrews to stay strong, to be perseverant in the midst of struggles, trials, and persecutions. And I want us to look at one of those exhortations before we get to chapter 11. And that's right in chapter 10. The verses is right before um, chapter 10, uh, verse 32 to 39, which is one of the exhortations that I want us to look at because it ties in so closely to our text. So if you'd look with me at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39, and I'm going to stop a few places there so that we can really direct our attention there over to 13, verse 16. So this exhortation from the author of Hebrews says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened or saved, you endured hard struggles with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Let's stop for a minute right there. Did you catch that? He said, you joyfully accepted the plundering. I mean, it would have been a whole lot easier for me if he would have left out that word joyful there. You accepted the plundering because then it kind of, well, you don't have any choice and whatever. But these brothers and sisters joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Um, why? Because then we read on, it says, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. That points us to chapter 11, verse 16. They desired a better country, a heavenly one. Verse 35, therefore, because of this, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Stop. 11:16. what is that great reward? God is not ashamed to be called their God. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. 11.16, this better country. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. 11.13, they died in faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Church, are you hearing the exhortation to faith and trust in these passages? I pray that you are. I suspect it's true that you all are struggling over something. I'm struggling over something. Perhaps there's even some here that are struggling over doubt and unbelief. Let us take God's word this morning, brothers and sisters, and ask him to embed it deeply into our hearts. So this pushes us to chapter 11, um, verse 1 and following, which is perhaps the greatest chapter in the whole Bible on faith. 
And so we have the context of Hebrews is not to fall in the midst of unbelief and in the midst of struggle. The inspired author, he could have went from 1039 easily, I think, and jumped right over to 12, chapter 12, verse 1, which says, let us run with endurance. Praise God, <laughs> he did not. We have chapter 11. We have chapter 11 in Hebrews. God knew that I needed, that we needed chapter 11 so that we could see what faith looks like. What it looks like so that we could be ones also that have faith and preserve our souls. Um, we know that we have to, to really understand it's important for us not just to hear, but also to see. We need, to, we need both hearing and seeing. We need to have examples all the way, always before us. Fathers, grandfathers, mothers, grandmothers, we know that we are called to teach our children, speak to them the words of life. But we also know that we have to be ones that are examples to them as well. Because when we're speaking this and we're doing something different, mm, it doesn't work very well. And so... God knew that we needed not only to hear, but we needed examples. Praise God for chapter 11 of Hebrews. And so we have the theme of the book of Hebrews. Now the immediate context is also important. Um, in our day of social media, we're just so quick to just get these little blurps without context. We get people's speeches and it's, in, it's not in context. And so... Context is always so very, very important. So chapter 11, verse 1, which is probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Uh, in the ESV, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I, I don't know about you all, but for the longest time, I just thought of this verse as a definition of faith. What is faith? I would go to 11.1 and say, this is the definition for faith. But as I was thinking more and more about it, in reality, 11.1 it, explains more the nature of faith. It is a description of what faith does and how it works. And why is that important? Because in 11.6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's very important. So here we have this idea of faith. And of course, we know, we're well aware, there's many misconceptions about really what faith is like. And I often go to the Amplified Version. I'm grateful that we can put this up on the, on the screen as well. I'm just kind of, it's big right there. <laughs> so the, let's look at the Amplified Version because it really fleshes this out even more which is, I think is important and helpful for us to understand. So it says in the Amplified, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That helps me a lot. It, it fleshes it out even more. Uh, commentator Richard Lenski rightly states that faith is an irrefutable conviction which rests on someone or something outside of us. 
which inspires trust. Otherwise, I have no faith. I really like that because faith is we're, we're putting trust in something outside. Let's think through that for a few minutes. Um, we all, including unbelievers, believers and unbelievers, we all operate in our faith, in some form of faith in our daily routines. This morning when you woke up, you maybe had coffee or water or juice, you had some breakfast. Did you think about the process, how it got to you? Was the water okay to drink? Is the coffee okay? Does it uh, have anything bad in it? We just kind of take it. Now, where we live, when we get out in the village, we don't do that. Because the water could have come from some of the pictures we've seen, and my stomach just can't take that. <laughs> um, and I've learned the hard way. Or the food. And so, we have trust outside of us. Um, when we go to Africa and come back, we get in these big planes. Hundreds of people. And they're going way up in the air. And I'm walking on there, not very often, but sometimes I think about it, I go, wow. I'm taking, what, a step of faith to get on that plane. I'm trusting the engineers, the pilots. And so faith is putting trust on something outside of us. Um, even the fact that you're, you're trusting us that there is such a place as reaching Africa's unreached. Have you been there? You saw the pictures, but people can do a lot of things with the pictures. And so uh, we all operate in some type of form of faith. But the difference between that faith and the faith that we're looking at here in Hebrews chapter 11 of these heroes is that true, listen please church, true Christian faith, true Christian faith is produced by God and it rests on his word. It's produced by God and it rests on his word. I love that phrase in the Amplified Version. Faith is the title deed. The Christian Standard Version says faith is a reality. The New American Standard says faith is a certainty. Even though not seen. Planes crash, we get bad water. But when we put our faith in God, it is a certainty. Whatever he said it's going to happen. Amen? It's going to happen. Planes do crash. You know, I, I, I'm putting, but it's not a certainty like when we put our faith in God. And so true faith is not this vague, wistful thinking or a leaping into the darkness. It is a certainty that God is going to deliver. It's the title deed. Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. So biblical faith is an assurance, it's a title deed, it's the reality, it's the certainty of what? Of things hoped for. Did you, as I thought about this, I was thinking, well, faith and hope, it's, it's like they're tied together. But I didn't really like that either because if something's tied together, it can easily be untied. I think it's better put like this, those of you that are in construction would verify that what I'm saying is true. Faith and hope are welded together. Because when, when two pieces of metal are welded together, that weld becomes stronger than actually both sides of the, of the pieces of metal. So faith and hope are welded together. The Bible states that hope that is seen is not hope. 
Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, For in this hope we are saved, not hope that is seen. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for with it in patience. That's verse 25. What do we wait for in patience? In chapter 8, it says we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, Hebrews 11:16. But as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one. So in our leading verses, we see that these personal examples of the nature of faith. We also see them in the verses that follow 11, verse 16. So how were these men and women able to do these great exploits? We have the patriarchs. But also, how, do, how are these men and women able to do and walk through enduring challenges? Um, how are we able to plod day by day? Um, in verses 36 through 37, it says that our, our brethren there were mocked. They were flogged. They were in chains, they were imprisoned, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, they were destitute, they were afflicted, they were mistreated, and it goes on and said, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these were, listen, commended. They were commended through faith. They did not receive what was promised. So this chapter of heroes that we're looking at here is not about abilities or even character or lack of thereof because some of them were not, some of their character was not so good. So the author's purpose in chapter 11 is to give us examples of one who put their faith in the trust of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that we might also endure. Scottish preacher George Morrison, who lived over a hundred years ago, wisely said, The important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. The important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. So this context now gets us ready to really look at chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. So let's begin with. Verse 13, it says, These, the men and women of chapter 11, all died in faith. With the exception of who? <laughs> There's one in there, Enoch. But that was a special case. And as my father always told me, he said, exceptions do not make the rule. But these, all these people that we read about there, whether they're a patriarch or whether they were wandering about, they died in faith. And I'm a pretty simple thinking person. So to die in faith, this is a spiritual truth that I think is so important and profound, but it's very simple. To die in faith, we must be living in faith, right? Does that, 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 we, yeah, to die in faith, we have to, if we're not living in faith, we're not going to be able to die in faith. Remember 1038, we read? My righteous one shall live by faith. So faith is this present and living reality. If it's a biblical faith, it's a living faith. So how are we supposed to do that? Another, 
understanding of the scriptures is that scriptures interpret the scriptures. I think Colossians 3.2 is very helpful there. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The King James, I like what it, how it says. It says, set your affections on things above. The Amplified says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, heavenly things. So this faith that we're talking about that's a living faith is daily setting our eyes and our hearts on heavenly things, looking to that better country. Jesus says it this way. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brothers and sisters, what are you treasuring this day? Probably a better question is, where is your mind and your heart focused? Because where, you're, where my heart and my mind is focused, that shows us what we're treasuring. So focus determines treasure. When we wake up in the morning, what's the first thing we focus on? Throughout the day, and I'm not talking about, we have to go through our daily routines and do things uh, that we're called to do at work, with the family. But what, is our, what, what I'm emphasizing here, what is our focus when we go to bed? What is our focus when we walk through the day? The men and women of chapter 11 had their focus on God and his promises. These heroes greeted, embraced, received, welcomed these promises from afar. I like what John Kelvin has to say here. He says, if we Christians grow faint, we are doubly inexcusable. The patriarchs saw from, saw from a distance what we Christians have tasted in Christ in ways that they, they did not. So let us seek to be in a living faith so that we can also die in faith, greeting and welcoming God's promises from afar, so that God will say to you and to me, well done, good and faithful one. I am not ashamed to call, be called your God. So these men, it says in the text, acknowledge that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. We could also say they recognize that they were aliens, they were refugees, they were pilgrims, they were temporary residents on the earth. Is that how you see yourself? Is that how I see myself? Better question, is that how we're living? The Apostle Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 2, 11, Dear friends, you are, not maybe, you are foreigners and strangers on this earth. Remember the quote that Carol put up there? It went through kind of quickly from Amy Carmichael. I like it because it really kind of digs in and it pokes us the way it should poke us in a godly way. Uh, Amy Carmichael says, We profess to be strangers and pilgrims, yet, yet we settle down in an unstranger-like fashion exactly as if we were quite at home and meant to stay as long as we could. Carol's and my living on the uh, Ugandan-South Sudan border for 10 years it has made us really see this scriptural truth more clearly. Um, I'm going to quote from Carol here. She had a good way to relate it when we were talking about it. She said it like this uh, when we went to the Uganda-South Sudan border. She said, our norm has been scrambled. Uh, 
We could talk a lot about that. Our norm was scrambled by our cultural transplantation. Its effect has been to make us somewhat cultural vagabonds. A vagabond is a person who wanders from place to place without a fixed home. So that we do not feel completely at home now in America, because we've been gone and living there for 10 years, or in Uganda. It's been a really good awakening for us to help see this truth more clearly. Um, we also live in very close proximity to the largest refu refugee population in the whole continent of Africa. Uh, many of the leaders that come to us are refugees from both North and South Sudan. Furthermore, our area that we live in uh, was the area that Idi Amin was located in, and so he got his soldiers and his troops in that area. So when Idi Amin was chased out of the country, there was payback, and our Mahdi and Oringa brothers that are my age can tell me stories where they had to flee out of Uganda into Sudan at that time uh, as refugees. So these first-hand stories have really helped us to relate to what it really means to be an alien and a stranger. And so... It, it's really made me remember some of my days back, even when I was growing up on a farm in Iowa, um, that faith takes the long view. And what do I mean by that? It's always looking this way and not this way. When I was eight years old, was my dad put me on the tractor and I started cultivating corn on the WD-45, Alice Chalmers. And I still remember I couldn't even reach the, the clutch. I was down there pushing the clutch and was cultivating the corn, and I was plowing it out. And I, I still remember, that's, that's uh, you know, that's uh, 50 years ago. <laughs> Actually, no, it was 60 years ago when I was eight years old. And I still remember it, and I, I, I was in my tears saying, Dad, I can't do this. I just can't do it. Because I, I was plowing it, I was plowing it out. And he said, son, don't look there, look there. And once I, once I caught it where I was cultivating and I was looking to the row ahead, I didn't plow out any corn at all because I was looking this way. And I think it's a good example of how God calls us to look in faith. We're looking this way. We're looking outward. The patriarchs in the book of Genesis knew that. They didn't recognize that where they were at, where they came from was their homeland. They said, this is our place. They could have went back. They could have went back. Um, another thing that's helped me see that more clearly, and, and hopefully maybe y'all as well, uh, in our area there's been a lot of deforestation, and um, we plant a lot of trees. We've got mangoes that we planted there. We've also planted mahoganies. And I remember back in 2013 planting a little tiny mahogany tree and one of the brothers came up to me and said, Jacob, you're never going to see that. Mahogany trees grow really slow. You'll never get to eat, sit under the shade of that tree or see it full grown. And it was just like it came out of me. Said, it's not for me. It's for the future. It's for the future. And so, brothers and sisters, please hear our lives are a pilgrimage. And when we hold to this conviction, it frees us to do what? lay up treasures in heaven, to lay up treasures in heaven. The Apostle Paul never thought of his life as just happiness, health, and wealth. Uh, listen to what Basil, a church father in the A.D. 300s, who defended the faith against 
the Aaron Harris who said when he was being sent into exile for banishment uh, of, of, of just opposing the, the, the truth. Um, I know no banishment. I do not count this place mine, nor say the other place is mine. Rather, all is God, whose stranger and pilgrim I am. I pray that God would give me that conviction in that heart, and you all as well. How many promises did Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob see? Very few. How many will you see? Very few. Um, there's a quote by Adnarum Judson that I think is encouraging. I have it posted at my desk. We have it all over the campus. Um, and it's, a, it's a, an encouragement against pride, and it's also an encouragement against having this idea of defeat and discouragement. He was a missionary many years ago. He said this, There is no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it's because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it's because someone will succeed after you. That's been so encouraging for me because sometimes if in my proud moments, I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing this and this. Then I realize, no, it's because of those who went before me, who are living by faith, who didn't receive the promises of faith. And I'm reaping their faithfulness. And when I get discouraged and say, man, just, just nothing is happening right. I can be encouraged also that I'm not receiving everything, but the people follow me will. And so please take that to heart, brothers and sisters, when you come to these points of discouragement. This is God's promise for you. He calls us to be heavenly minded. Heavenly minded. I like the way C.S. Lewis uh, dispels the idea, and maybe you've heard it before, that those who are so heavenly minded are not any earthly good. That's been spoken to me numerous times. Jacob, you're so heavenly minded, you can't be any good here on this earth. C.S. Lewis, we have it here too? Yes. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about this. He said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven. Oh, I love this part. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get nothing. So what establishes our identity? We should be aiming at heaven. We're aiming at heaven so that 1116 church hear what God says in 1116 we aim at heaven therefore God is not ashamed wow I don't want God to be ashamed of me I know you do not either therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city a city that we're looking for, a better country. How will this be played out in our lives? Um, through acts of love and kindness, raising our families, looking to the future, but it's going to be played out in our, 
idea of evangelism, to be a daily witness of our faith as we were exhorted uh, this morning already, to share our faith, our responsibility is to share this good news. Because what do we want to do? We want to take other people with us. Yes, God is the one who sovereignly saves people. Amen? How does he do that? Through the preaching of the gospel. Through the preaching of the gospel, showing and pointing people to Jesus. That means you. So when we're looking for this better country, God's call to you to put this into play is you're going out to your neighbors and to your family members and are participating in intercessory prayer that people would come to Jesus. Their eyes would be opened um, to Jesus. Being friendly is always important, but a person should not have to be a friend before we share the gospel with them. Our call, your call, my call is to proclaim the gospel rightly, passionately, and respectfully. It also means that in missions, we're going to be a part of that. Praise God for Mission City, for your goal and heart to see the gospel go to all the nations. John Piper says, mission exists where worship is not. That's Carol, and my, and, and my heart is to seek to make Jesus, King Jesus, known and worship where he's not. Uh, and so we, we cry out to you, we beg of you, pray for us, intercede on our behalf, intercede on the behalf that we're to the people we're ministering to. We have prayer cards there. It's actually the first time Carol and I, we put a prayer card together in 10 years. But please feel free to take that prayer card, stick it on your fridge or at your desk so that you can be prompted to pray. Not just for us, but for the gospel to go to all the world. There's a, still a third of the world that has yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. A third of the world. And so may God use you, continue to bless you, as your ambassadors that proclaim the good news of Jesus. May your eyes and your hearts be focused on that better country. The word better is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews. May your eyes and your hearts be focused on that better country. Aim at heaven and you get everything thrown in. Let us pray.